turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Harbaugh. The word sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to almost December. Welcome to almost Christmas. You know, when we get through Thanksgiving, it's like somebody turns up the volume and we just never stop running. And it just feels like the time goes so very, very quickly. Hey, thanks for tuning in. It's been um, a long time since we spoke live. Last Wednesday was our last live program of the week. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and I'm sure you did. Uh, and it is good to be back with you live. In case you didn't hear the introduction, I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. It is a radio program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, church questions, uh, whatever the question you have rolling around in your heart or in your mind, we'll do the best that we can to bring some clarity. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. 340 340- 9585. You can also call us toll free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. You can also send them in via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. Hope you had a great day in church. Uh, we did yesterday. We finished Romans chapter 11. And I was telling the church, I'm so excited because when we get into Romans chapter 12, starting this week, um, I, I love teaching this passage of Scripture, not just Romans 12, but all the way through the end of the book because we've had 11 chapters of God's faithfulness, 11 chapters of, of God's glorious promises, the statements that He makes to us. Uh, and now we talk about practically our response and how to live in all those promises. So uh, I get to do that starting this coming Sunday. I'm excited. We had people get saved yesterday. Uh, I hope that people got saved at your church as well. And um, just excited. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Oh, one other thing, because it's Monday. Now, see, I'm already out of sync because of the the holiday feel. 
uh, tonight uh, is our men's and women's and youth and junior high school Bible studies here at 7 o'clock at Calvary Chapel. Uh, Paula will actually be teaching the ladies um, tonight here at Calvary Chapel. Um, Pastor Ken teaching the men. And then your high school age youth and junior high school age youth, they can come as well. It's a great time for the family to come together. 340-9585. If I remember what Paula told me correctly, they have this week and next week um, on Monday night for the studies, and then they take a holiday break. So uh, if you want to come tonight and next week would be the two opportunities uh, before the first of the year. Uh, let's go right to some questions that have been sent in. Here is a question that uh, I'm going to keep anonymous. I know who sent it, but I'm going to keep it anonymous um, just not to cause any trouble. Uh, Pastor, I have a quick question. We just got an offer on our house, and we found out that the couple that placed the offer is a homosexual couple. And we just wanted to check with you uh, if we should go ahead and consider this offer. I sort of feel weird asking the question, but we just aren't sure how we should feel about it or if we should have any reservations about it. We wanted your advice. Uh, much love uh, to you and give Mama Paula a hug from us. Uh, a couple of things. Um, you know, we Christians... Um, uh, obviously, if you're a born-again Christian, this whole idea of, of same-sex marriage or homosexual couples uh, is sinful. But, but remember, we're not responsible for that. And as Christians, we have to keep the law. And to discriminate against somebody in these kind of issues is unlawful. It is also, I think, unseemly for Christians. So this is a business transaction. It's nothing more than going to a store and buying something from uh, uh, somebody who's gay or transgender uh, and then feeling bad about it. No, this isn't something that you should um, um, feel strange about at all. It gives you an opportunity. Perhaps the Lord brought them along your path so that you could pray for them. Um, but um, um, you, you don't. it's not something that, that you should concern yourself with. You have the freedom to sell it if they offer you the full price. Uh, I, I would personally make sure they offered the full price, and, and if they did, then I I would go ahead and sell it to them and, and let them know that this was a house that was bathed in the love of Jesus Christ and you have a realtor who will do that for you um, uh, and, and just let the Holy Spirit deal with them but these are the kind of things uh, we Christians are in the world we're not of the world now if you were to um, have somebody living in your home who was living in that kind of sin or any kind of sin for that matter um, then the answer would be, no, you can't support them. But this is a business transaction. It's nothing more. And we want to be uh, ambassadors of love, but we also want to be lawful citizens. And I think that would just about cover it. So, uh, Anonymous, I hope that answers your question. Um, this is a new world that we live in, and that's just the way things are going to be. Um, 340-9585. I just got to note the last Monday Night Bible Studies uh, this week will be, or this month will be on the 18th. So that means we have three more Bible studies. So uh, tonight and the next two Monday nights, and then we take our Christmas break. Uh, by the way, can I start talking now? We, I think December the 15th is our children's Christmas play at the Judson High School Performing Arts Center. Um, and you will be so blessed, and we'll have more information as the time approaches, but obviously the time is approaching. Here is a question that came from our mobile app from John. 
were people who were not Jewish, who lived before Christ, and who lived a righteous life in the sight and approved by God when they died, did they also stay in Abraham's bosom? Uh, John, the answer to your question is yes. Now, it doesn't matter whether they were Jewish or, or, or not Jewish. Uh, if they uh, were, were, if they believed God, that that's faith is always the key to salvation. If they believed God, as the patriarchs did, um, then then when they died physically on this on this uh, earth, then they would have gone into the place called Abraham's bosom or paradise. Uh, you can read about it in Luke chapter 16. It's opposite uh, the place of torment. Uh, in Luke chapter 16, the, the rich man was there, Lazarus, who was poor, not the Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead, but another Lazarus, uh, was in Abraham's bosom. And there was such a big gap between them that one couldn't go from one side to the other. Uh, and and uh, that would be the case. So uh, I think when we talk about those who are before Christ, um, we need to understand that people were saved based on what they did with what they knew. Romans chapter 1 talks about uh, God revealing himself to us in his conscience. Um, Romans 1 talks about God revealing himself to us in creation. The psalmist, uh, David, said the heavens declare the glory of God. Day after day they pour forth speech. There's no nation or language that they won't under, that they can't be understood. So uh, if we respond to the revelation we have, God gives us more revelation. It's not knowing Jesus, obviously Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Now, Abraham different because he, he actually met with Jesus in the, in the form of Melchizedek, who was a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Uh, but if they believed God, it was credited to them as righteousness. So they were saved by believing in the, in the word of God, the spoken word, in the same way you and I are saved by believing in the living word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word dwelt among us. So faith is always the key. Now here's something that we need to understand, John. Um, God never judges anybody based on what they don't know. If there's somebody who lives in some distant ancient land and you get up every morning and see the sky and, and the sun coming up in the east, and, and if he acknowledged a creator for that, he would be what we would call saved. Um, why? Because he responded by faith to what he knew, to the revelation of God that he had. God never holds anyone accountable for what they don't understand. We're all accountable for what we do understand. Now, one other comment here, John. The fact that I said we're held accountable for what we do understand, that doesn't cover somebody who says, well, you know, I just can't understand how God can send his son to die and how that would make any sense. I just don't understand why God has a world that, that has so much wickedness and so much evil in it. Um, th those are different issues. That's dishonesty. Anybody who wants to know, Jesus said, uh, he will in no wise cast out any who come to him. Uh, Hebrews says he's a rewarder, a diligent uh, rewarder of those who, who seek him diligently. So uh, if we're earnest in our seeking for God, then we find ourselves in that place where um, God will reveal himself to us. So everybody is saved the same way by faith in Jesus Christ, whether they know him personally in the sense that you and I know him because he's been revealed to us, but based on what they did with what they know. You know, uh, John, um, 
this week I'm starting on Friday nights in Acts chapter 8 and I'm not going to get to this part until the following Friday uh, but but the Ethiopian eunuch is a great example uh, the Ethiopian eunuch is in Jerusalem um, he is a, um, a proselyte Jew a uh, converted Jew um, he, he loves God what he knows about God uh, the only thing he knows about God is is what's been revealed to him about the Jewish God. He's reading the Jewish scriptures, and God sends Philip away from a wonderful, powerful, supernaturally so work in Samaria, and uh, go down to the road, and and he goes down, and um, on that place he finds himself walking next to the carriage of this Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch just so happens to be reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, no, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? And so he began at that point in the scriptures and began proclaiming Jesus. And the next thing we know, the Ethiopian eunuch on this journey says, well, there's some water. What keeps me from being baptized right here and right now? You see, he responded to what he knew. God revealed more and he used Philip to do it. So that's what happens in this day and age that we live in. When people want to know who God is, believe me, Jesus reveals himself to them. So, John, you're absolutely right. They lived in um, Abram's bosom. Can you imagine what that was like on that day Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth? Can you imagine what that was like? The ground began to shake. We do a worship song here where uh, our lead singer, she's got such a beautiful voice. She says, the ground began to shake. And and can you imagine what that was like? And this unapproachable light appears. And he proclaims freedom for the captives. And he sets them free. That means the paradise portion of of Luke chapter 16 is now empty because Jesus took them in his train to heaven. Why? Because they believed. Great question, John. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Here is a cute question from AA from our email inbox. AA, I so appreciate the way you think. Uh, Pastor on grace and peace. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving Day with your family. As in many homes this time of year, I'm surrounded by family members who profess Christianity as their religion. If you believe the polls, approximately 80% of Americans say they are Christian when asked about their religion. People who profess to be born again, Christians or evangelicals, is a much lower number. It's become a tradition for me to say grace at family gatherings before the meal. For several years before I was born again, the typical prayer said before the holiday meal went something like this, good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. (laughs) Inevitably, as the meal is being placed on the table, two to three family members remind me to keep it short and sweet. And then in parentheses, he writes, one year I went overboard and made everyone uncomfortable. Um, Thanking Jesus for his saving grace is typically not appreciated. Everyone insists that I keep the prayer all about the food. My question, should I pray as I choose or pray in a manner for everyone's comfort? AA, don't let anybody ever tell you what to pray. I want you to think about the absurdity of the statement they made to you. They insist that you keep the prayer all about the food. How in the world can you pray to food? You can pray for the hands that prepared the food. God bless them. 
you can be thankful because God provided the food. But remember, a prayer isn't a prayer by definition unless you're talking to God. So pray what's on your heart. Uh, I have one rule, and I've been asked to go pray at many, many, many functions over the years. And I have one rule, and my rule has always been the same. Um, My rule has been, I will go and pray anywhere they don't tell me what to pray. So keep the prayer short. You know, we're not trying to preach a sermon in a prayer. We're talking to God, and we're giving thanks. But on Thanksgiving Day especially, and that's the context of this particular question, it is the most appropriate thing to thank God for His grace. Thank you for dying on the cross for us and saving our souls. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful family. And now, Lord, bless our time. And I end my prayers often in places where there are a lot of people. I just say, Jesus, be the center of our hearts and our thoughts and our conversation. Uh, And then we start eating, but all the time I'm eating, I'm talking about Jesus. So pray as you choose. Don't ever worry about other people's comfort. With that one exception, we don't want to make prayers sermons. Uh, Prayer should last more than 30 seconds when you're praying for food. It can be a wonderful, grateful prayer in 30 seconds. But remember, you're there to eat. And and that's what the other people understand. They're not born again Christians. Um, I always sort of pray under my breath that God would open the opportunity up for meaningful conversation. Um, but I wait for Him to do that. So I hope that helps. A thank you for your candor. Uh, it's a blessing. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. I'd like to get the week started with some phone calls. You're a lot more interesting than I am. That's three four zero ninety five eighty five. Uh, Here is a question from our email inbox from Michael. Uh, Hello, Pastor Ron. Good day to you, and may God continue to bless you, Paula, and this radio ministry. Thank you, Michael. Uh, He goes on, I'm a little conflicted, need your perspective about an issue that has just come up recently. I know you've said many times that women are not to be pastors over men, as that is the word of God. On Sunday, our pastor was still out of town, so the lady uh, or individual who teaches our children stood in for him and delivered the message to the church. This took me by surprise, to be honest. It did seem that she was not really comfortable doing so, and she tried to kill most of the time uh, taking to deliver the message with singing. Would you consider this a one-time thing, or is this grounds for me to leave this church in regards to following God's word to the letter? On a related question, I wanted to get your opinion on the message or doctrine that our pastor delivers. To be clear, it's not about him as an individual, but on what our pastor is teaching. I've heard others call in on your show and ask for your opinion and wonder if you would be able to do that for me. And then he gives me the name of his church and the name of his pastor, and I'm not going to share that. I don't think there's any need to do that. A couple of things. Um, uh, Michael, I did some research uh, knowing the name of your church. Uh, It is a Disciples of Christ church, um, and um, there's all kinds of problems with this. I want to read from the Statement of Faith um, from your church. By the way, the Statement of Faith is very, very short, very um, lacking in information. Um, one portion of it says this, The Spirit of the Church seeks to bind all Christians in their love for Christ and for God's Word. 
In searching for unity among Christians, all people are urged to interpret the scriptures for their own lives, believing that all Christians can serve together, can serve together when seeking. Did you hear what I just said, Michael? They believe that people are urged to interpret the scriptures for themselves, for their own lives, as if there is no standard. And and uh, I would I would encourage you to leave the church for that reason. Uh, I'll deal with the woman in a moment, but um, that's an impossible thing. Imagine telling people that God has given you the responsibility to shepherd, and your pastor is going to stand before God. I do not know him, so there's nothing personal about this. But your pastor is going to stand before God and try to explain why he told people that the Word of God is not the Word of God, that it can be interpreted individually. Well, I believe this or I believe that. It doesn't matter what we believe. This is a church, and the the um, group of churches that they belong to, the Disciples of Christ, has all kinds of, of theological issues. They uh, ordain women um, in, in direct opposition to the Word. So I can tell. I actually listened to uh, one message. The message was like 14 minutes long. And it, it wasn't all about Jesus. God was mentioned a couple of times, but it was just sort of a little message. That's not what we go to church for. We go to church to be taught, to grow in the grace and knowledge of God and of his will for our lives. And so, uh, Michael, uh, I don't believe that this is a healthy church, um, irregardless of the um, female ordination. Um, but uh, it's just not a church where you're going to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ at all. Let me say very, very clearly, um, this group of churches ordains women to the pastorate. Um, That's a violation of God's Word. And anybody in this listening audience who goes to a church that is pastored by a woman, and I include those who are co-pastors, you don't have a pastor. Your church is lacking the shepherd chosen by God. Again, it doesn't mean that women aren't as capable, they're not as talented, uh, or, or even that they're they're not as good of teachers as men. It has nothing to do with ability. This is God's church. He makes the rules, and we who are Christians have to follow the rules. It's that straightforward. And so I, I, I would encourage you to, to find another church, a church that is faithful in teaching the Word of God. Thank you. I appreciate it very, very much, Michael. Uh, let's go to Marcus on line one. Marcus, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Yes, uh, Pastor Ron, I, I enjoy your program. I just have a uh, question in reference to uh, baptismal, um, in reference to Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, and also Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. I just wanted to see uh, which one do you feel is the... Um, is actually the uh, scriptured uh, type baptismal that uh, we should go by. 
Thank you, Marcus. I appreciate uh, uh, your your comment. Uh, first and foremost, Matthew 28. Uh, uh, the, the the difference here is uh, the name uh, in which people are baptized. Jesus is the one speaking. Matthew chapter 28. Uh, this is the Great Commission, and he's telling us to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, that's the way we baptize. We baptize here at Calvary Chapel with full immersion. Um, that is not to say that if somebody gets sprinkled, um, that, that, that they're not saved. God looks at the heart rather than the means. Uh, but we do what was practiced and in, in, in what Jesus told us to do. And anybody who says, and, and there's two different um, directions here. Uh, there, there is a group of, of so-called believers, Jesus only. Uh, you have to be baptized only in the name of Jesus Christ. No, Jesus Christ is the Savior of our soul. But Jesus himself told us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy, Holy Spirit. For those... Um, Marcus, who uh, hold to Jesus only, baptizing only in the name of Jesus, their doctrine is wrong. They believe that, that Jesus is God, and that's true, but they believe he is the Father, he's the Son, and he's the Spirit. That's where they get the Jesus only. It's a oneness movement, and that is a misunderstanding and a misrepresentation of the character of God. Baptism is what we do in response to being saved. And Acts chapter 2, verse 38 in particular, is often used to indicate that baptism uh, is a requirement for being saved. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when Peter's preaching to Jews in Acts chapter 2, and the audience was exclusively Jewish, he's declaring that Jesus Christ is the Savior, the Messiah, the only name under heaven by which we must be saved. He's going to repeat that very same thing in Acts chapter 4. Um, but but he was pointing to, to Jesus as the rejected Christ, both in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. Uh, all we need to know is Jesus um, telling us to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the fullness of the Godhead modeling. So, Marcus, thank you. Hope that's as clear as um, as I can make it anyway. You've been listening to the first half of the program. We've got 30 minutes left. 340-9585. Uh, we'd love to have your live calls. Jordan, if you can hold on, we'll take you on the other side of the break. See you in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh Welcome back to the second half of the program, 340-9585. Let's go to Hondo, Texas, and talk with Jordan on line two. Jordan, thanks for being patient. You're on the air. Hi, um, Pastor Ron. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Good, good. Well, I got a few questions for you today, and I was wondering if you believed in reincarnation. 
Okay, well, let me, let me, before your other questions, let me say no. Reincarnation is contrary to what the Bible teaches. It's anti-biblical, in fact. Um, it is appointed unto man to die once and then face the judgment, Hebrews 9.27. So it is not, Jordan, a biblical concept at all. So uh, the answer is no. Okay, well, um, I'm actually reading this book right now called The Messengers um, by... Uh, Julia Ingram and G.W. Hardin, and uh, it talks about reincarnation in a way of enlightenment, kind of. Um, it doesn't use it to go against the Bible. It actually uses it to um, help the really the millennials um, understand the Bible, because when I read the Bible, I... Um, I love the Bible. Don't get me wrong. The Bible is a basic Bible, which I've been told before um, by a good friend of mine who says that Bible means uh, life. I mean, um, basic information before life ends. (laughs) (laughs) And so it kind of, it really uh, helps me, you know, think of the Bible in that way because when I would read the Bible, I had a hard time understanding it, you know, it's, um, and I would take it too literally. I would take what was being said to me um, in a way of, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. Like I haven't been, I'm not, I'm not the person I'm supposed to be to follow God. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not living the way that Jesus did when in fact I was, and I am now, and I'm, and these, this book has really helped me open my eyes into the way that Jesus was. And um, it, I would love to know if you've read the book or if you would like to read the book. Yeah, Jordan, I'm, I'm familiar with it, and I'm going to ask you to listen very carefully to what I'm going to say. Uh, I appreciate your heart. Um, the Lord uh, obviously loves you, and it sounds like you love him, but, but it sounds like you don't know him. And by that, I don't mean that you're not saved. That's between you and him. But I mean you don't know who he is. Now, I am familiar with the book. I've not read it, uh, nor would I. And the reason I wouldn't read it, Jordan, is because the concept, it's very new age. Uh, and, and, you know, we can say, well, I'm trying to reach to millennials. But what they're doing is they're lying to you. That book is based on the lie of reincarnation. Uh, it's, it's based on, even in the title, it's the age of miracles, reincarnation, and, and the age of miracles, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, and and that book doesn't know who Jesus is. The authors don't know who Jesus is. They're, the New Age Jesus is a is more of a Christ consciousness than Jesus Christ Himself. And here's what you need to do, Jordan. As you read the Bible, when you're confused, ask God's spirit to lead you into truth that's what jesus said his job was to lead you into all truth but there can't be two truths so if jesus in his word says there's only one life we have to make a decision and then we face the judgment whether it's with jesus or or a judgment to be to to, to depart from jesus for eternity uh, that cannot be true if anything in this book that you reference is true i know it sounds good they use the right words Uh, But they don't know who Jesus is, so they have no idea how Jesus lived his life. The only book that has the authority to declare who Jesus is and how he lived is your Bible. And and that's why studying it is so important. You you, you develop a relationship uh, with Jesus through his word. 
uh, just this week on uh, Wednesday, Jordan, I'm going to be teaching out of 1 Samuel chapter 28, uh, where uh, Saul goes, uh, King Saul goes to the to a witch of Endor, and 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 God judges him, condemns him for that very thing, and and the reason is because God wants us to depend on Him. Jesus died and he left his spirit with us as born-again believers. He left his spirit with us to, to help us discern what's true. And if something is true, uh, it can't be contradicted by something else that's true. The basic definition of truth is that it's mutually exclusive. Two contradictory things cannot both be true. And so I would, with with as tender heart as I can muster here, I, I want you to hear my heart. Um, that book is dangerous. It's going to lead you into falsehoods and lies. Um, you don't need it. The Bible has everything that you need. Just spend some time um, trying to understand it. The, the, the Bible. Spend some time sort of digging in, letting the living God speak to you. Um, and any book, again, to, to emphasize, any book that is contrary to what the Bible says is by definition from the devil himself. If even an angel, Paul says, comes and declares to you another gospel, let him be accursed or cut off. And we've had from the very beginning of church history, Jordan, we've we've had um, people coming in trying to pervert and distort the gospel. And this is just another New Age book that gives people goosebumps and makes makes things sound uh, very much like Jesus, but it really isn't. So, um, uh, Jordan, please, I I, I would pray for you that that you'd understand the the value the the how important it is to be able to discern between that which is true and that which is false and god gave you that measurement of of me, uh, measurement of truth and that the standard is the word of god so please 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 if you're not born again um ask jesus into your heart and by that I mean surrender your life to Him. Don't worry about what you can do or can't do in terms of the quality of the life you're living, but let Jesus live it through you. The truth is, whether it's you, Jordan, or me, uh, none of us can do uh, all the things to make God happy. Um, we need His strength to do it. Even the Apostle Paul said, what I want to do, I can't do. What I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. A wretched man that I am, who can rescue me from this body of death? And then he answered his own question. I thank my God through Jesus Christ. You see, Jordan, Jesus is the rescuer. He's the one that will empower you and enable you to live a life that's pleasing to God. And it won't be an effort. It won't be something that you have to really work hard to do. Uh, just walk with Jesus and you'll be doing what he does. And you can't find the real Jesus any place other than the Bible. Does that help at all? Um, well, in a way, uh, yeah, but I am actually in, in a very, um, I'm actually very close with uh, my my God within me. Um, and and the what which is the piece of what he gave me from him. Um, you know, he said that he's given each of us a little piece of him, it's just if we decide to use it. And um no, I recently, no, he he's given each of us a little piece of him, it's just if we decide to use it. And um no, I recently no, he, does, he doesn't he doesn't wait a minute, Jordan, he doesn't say that. Nowhere does the Bible say that. Well it's uh, we have we have him with us. 
but it's not no, no. separated from him. No, you, by, separated by sin, but you don't have yeah, him we're with you. we're separated by weight of sin and death. I mean, we're, well, we're no, separated. No, we're separated only by sin, and Jesus is the only answer for sin. And the only way that we can overcome that separation is to be born again. Jesus himself said, except a man, or in your case a woman, be born again, he will in no wise yeah. inherit the kingdom of God. And what you've I done, Julian... I was actually Julie, recently born again. Okay. I was, I was well, born then, again about then, uh, a month ago. Okay, well, um, praise the Lord for that. So here's what you do now. Stop depending on a Christ consciousness or a little piece of Him in you and understand that the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form lives in you. He is a deposit given yes, to you, guaranteeing your inheritance. That's why I felt this calling to talk about the, the book because in okay. honesty, in my, in, my, in my way of thinking of it, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that it gives people... It doesn't ever put Jesus in a way that he wouldn't be interpreted in the Bible. And your your stance that you're taking is a lot like that of my dad. And um, well, he's very... Uh, my, 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 stance, my stance, Jordan, is only biblical. There's one standard, and it is the Bible. And so well, you, yes, we sir. don't and get, it as Christians... Has, it, it taught me what the Bible hadn't taught me yet. And my dad knows the Bible. No. My dad is a very, but, very, very intense his spiritual side. And, um, yeah, but Jordan, there's, there's two spirits. There's, a, there's this, the Holy Spirit and an evil spirit. And here's what I want you to understand. And you're, and you're arguing with me, and I understand these are hard things to let go of. However, there is only one truth. And we don't get to interpret what that truth is. We're told what that truth is. And as a Christian, and thank God that you said you gave your life to Jesus, you're born again. As a Christian, it's our responsibility to agree with God, not agree with the consciousness, not agree with this New Age nonsense, um, but, but understand that everything in that book leads you away from Jesus, not to him. And I, 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 I'll be praying for you. Uh, I know this isn't what you wanted to hear, but what you're doing is you're being led astray by deceiving spirits. And this New Age nonsense is nothing new at all. It's been going from the very beginning of the church some 2,000 years ago. Um, but Jesus, who is the Christ, he's not the Christ consciousness, he's a man. And when you gave your heart to Jesus, he came to live within you, and now he wants empower you to follow him and and he'll reveal more and more of himself to you jordan thanks for calling and i'll be praying for you please do me a favor and read the first three chapters of the book of ephesians it's it's not difficult reading it's not difficult to understand but bathe gloriously in what god has done for you and in the first three chapters of ephesians you're going to find out just how precious and wonderful the gift of christ in us the hope of glory really is. Gloria, thank you very much and we'll be, not Gloria, I'm sorry uh, Jordan, will be praying for you 340-9585 it is always heartbreaking um, to hear um, people thinking they have their own way to God that they can sort of paste and clip um, they can't uh, our Jesus is a benevolent dictator he tells us what's true. As Christians, when we surrender our life to him, we have to agree with him. If we find ourselves disagreeing with him, then what we've got to do is understand we're the ones who are wrong. 
So God bless your dad, Jordan, for telling you what's true. Um, but remember, uh, being a spiritual person has no benefit. The only benefit is being born again. And that means we buy lock, stock, and barrel everything that Jesus told us. And by the way, everything in that Bible is provable. This silliness in this New Age stuff is just nonsense. Gloria called into the studio and said, I need prayer for an injury I sustained while at work. I got into a little bit of problem for not reporting it right away. Finally, I did report it, and I've been seen by a doctor. The doctor prescribed some physical therapy. At 65, the idea of this type of treatment makes me very nervous. Please pray for a quick healing process and help me pray that my bosses will be understanding with my injuries and that I'm limited at the moment. Thank you. Gloria, I will pray for you. Uh, your bosses are probably worried for you. Um, you know, obviously there's um, liability and, and those kind of things. They want to be sure that they're they're insisting that you go to a doctor. Physical therapy isn't something you have to be afraid of. Uh, you, you happen to be, Gloria, you're younger than I am. And uh, Paula puts me through physical therapy every day at the gym. And it's hard, but it works. So um, um, let the Lord give you peace over this very thing. Jesus, I pray for Gloria. I pray that you would touch and heal her injury. And I pray that she would find favor at work. Um, we do pray for quick healing process. Uh, and we do pray for understanding bosses um, while she's dealing with this injury. She needs the work, Lord. So we ask by the power of your spirit that you would touch and heal. Amen. Thank you, Gloria. We will keep praying. Keep us posted how you're doing. Let's go to Wes calling from San Antonio Online 1. Wes, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Ron, it's Wes. Hey, it's nice talking to you. I enjoy your show. Thank you. I look forward uh, to your knowledge on different subjects, uh, especially with the the Bible. I think you're very knowledgeable. Um, My sister had called me, and uh, she had um, a question for me, and I I thought about you when she asked it. Okay. So are you are you ready? I'll try. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, what what it is is what, that um, my sister's been divorced from a gentleman for um, you know quite a few years, and and he's you know remarried. My sister's remarried, but we were at a funeral, and it was Catholic, and I'm not Catholic, and my sister does very much uh, Protestant, and um, she just said, you know, I noticed that he can't take communion because he has a divorce, because he divorced her, and she said, Wes, do you you think that I should, like, uh, give him an annulment so that he can go and, um, you know, with communion with the Catholic Church? And, you know, basically I was telling her, well, that sounds like, you know, that's his rule. I said, you know, Jesus has, um, you know, forgiven us and we're, you know, we're washed in in the blood of the Lamb. And, you know, we owe him no, nothing, you know, but our allegiance and, you know, our our loyalty. But with the Catholic Church, it seems like it's a a very, you know, man-made, you know, that you have to do certain things or, or else you can't. Um, uh, participate in communion, and she said it was a big deal. And but they they had four children when they were married, and you know 
it seems like, well, oh, so if I give you a annulment, then that would mean that my four children are, she said, you know, they're illegitimate. <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. I just thought, oh, my gosh. I said, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I said, but, you know, Ron would probably, um, yeah. you know, know the answer or take a good stab yeah. at it. What do you think? Yeah, Wes, thank you. Um, um, I, I have had this exact situation just a few weeks ago. Somebody who has been divorced for 27 years um, yeah. wanted my, he said, the Catholic Church won't let me take communion. Uh, and I said, well, why, why do you want to be a part of a church that wants to exclude you? Uh, you're right about the Catholic Church being man-made. You're right about um, the silliness over divorce and annulment. Um, but, but your sister is in no way obligated to give um, him an annulment. Uh, this yeah. might be an opportunity for her as a Christian to say what I told my friend, uh, a man yeah. from the gym, well, why, why do you continue to submit to uh, a church that doesn't claim you as a member? Uh, the yeah. best thing that they could do for, for this man is to get him away from the Catholic Church. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he can't inherit the kingdom of God. And, um, um, you know, by keeping rules and letting the, 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 the church dictate what you have to do or, or, or can't do in order to partake in communion uh, makes no sense at all. So um, I would not uh, advise her at all to give an annulment. I would tell him that he needs to worry not about the Catholic Church. He needs to worry about being right with Jesus Christ. And I would use this, as I did, as an opportunity to share the, the, the goodness of a God who loves you and forgives and puts your sins as far from you as east is from west and offers a brand new life. It's very attractive to somebody who has been rejected by the church. So, Wes, I hope that helps. Yeah, and I, I basically told her that it's really, you know, it's it's his choice to continue with the demagoguery of that, you know, that organization or be free, you know, like you said. Yep. And, okay. he, and he I needs to make the choice. Much. Thank you, Wes. God yes, bless you. Yes, sir. Thank, thank you. Bye. Uh -huh. Let's go to Melissa on line two. Melissa, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. This is Melissa calling. I'll try to make this Hi, very Melissa. quick. Hi, okay. that was a very difficult conversation that I just heard you have with Jordan. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I'm one of those type of people that you've got to read that Bible. Stop introducing all these other books into you before you read that Bible. And so I always try to get people, if, if they say that they're having a hard time understanding it, I even try to give them a living Bible. I tell them that the living Bible is not a study Bible, but it will at least allow you to be able to read it in its basic English form to get the word into you before mm -hmm. you start introducing all these other books. I'm going to be putting Jordan on my prayer list. Thank, thank yeah. you, Melissa. And I, yeah. I have no problem with the Living Bible as a translation, uh, or even the New Living Translation is uh, equally easy to read. And um, again, the, the New Age is demonic, and it gets a hold on you. And the devil is a deceiver, uh, and and the devil always has a sprinkling of truth with a whole bunch of lies. And uh, it's just a, a dangerous thing. I'd ask everybody to be praying for Jordan. Um, thank you, Melissa. I appreciate it very, very much. Let's go to line three and talk with James calling from Cibolo. James, thanks for being patient. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Ron. Hi, James. Uh, hi. Uh, I had a question uh, uh, this past Thanksgiving. I um, 
out eating dinner and I ran across a guy who came to me and just started talking. And then he got to ask me uh, what church I go to. And I was like, I go to Calvary Chapel. And soon I said, and he's like, that's not a real church. You know, look at the <laughs> book of Revelation. Look at the names of the churches. They're not called Calvary. They're called the Church of Christ. And when he said that, I sort of knew where he was going with that. Uh, yeah. And uh, he started telling me about, you know, you have to be baptized under the Church of Christ and this and that. And, but I asked him, I just asked him one question. I said, can you answer this one question? Uh, uh, what Jesus Christ did on the cross, his uh, uh, death, burial, and resurrection, was that enough to pay for your sins? And is that enough for you to be saved? And he was like, uh, he was sort of soft, and he was like, yeah, that and you have to uh, get baptized and do good. <laughs> And I said, yeah. you know, and I start telling him, I say, well, that's different from what I believe and what you believe. You know, you trust in your works, and I trust, I'm trusting what Christ, um, his, uh, his work on the cross um, for me. And uh, I was just wondering, in your opinion, like how you witness, witness to someone like that who, you know, believe that you have to be baptized on a certain yeah. um, denomination or go to a certain church to be saved. Yeah. And I I, I thank, you, thank you, James. I appreciate it. We're inside four minutes, so I have to make this fairly quick. Uh, J- James, religion has always been man's attempt to reach up to God. And that's what churches that promote legalism or promote baptism, salvation, or promote good works, they're always about, how, how can I prove myself to God? And grace is just exactly the opposite. Grace is God's unmerited favor to the infinitely ill-deserving. Um, you know, when the early Christians got together, um, the first name that they gathered under in the book of Acts was called the way. That's what they were called by other people, believers and unbelievers alike. Oh, there'll be those in the way. Um, um, There's no magic to a name. Uh, Calvary Chapel is just an identifying brand of churches. But what matters is how we're saved. Now, obviously, we live in a in a region of the country where the Church of Christ has a significant presence, and they have always taught that you need to be baptized to be saved, missing the whole point that we are saved. Ephesians 2 says, by grace through faith. That's all we need. Jesus said, believe, and you will be saved. Paul and Peter said, believe, and you will be saved. Paul said, he's near you. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and you are saved. So um, what religion tries to do is insert man's part. Thank you for what you did, Jesus. Thank you for grace, but now I'm going to prove you made a good choice. That's what religion has always done. And the one thing that we can remember for sure, we learned from Job that, that the most righteous man on the earth at the time, and we know that because God told the devil that Job, he had no one like Job. And Job, when he saw God, he, 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 he got to that place where he understood that there was too big a gap between him and God. And he cried out, if only there were a man who could bridge the gap, one who could take the hand of God in my hand and bridge that gap. And, well, we know, James, that Jesus is that man. And because Jesus is that man, uh, we have access to the Father in heaven. And it has absolutely nothing to do with what we do. Now, when I tell this, and we come across this quite a bit here uh, in Texas, but... 
when I'm talking with somebody from the Church of Christ, and they'll say, yeah, but you have to be baptized. No, we get to be baptized. That's the difference. I'm not minimizing the importance of baptism. All I'm saying is it doesn't save. I'm maximizing the importance of the cross. And we can point out instances in the Bible where people never got baptized, most notably the thief on the cross. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. They would say, well, he's God. He can do that. No, he's consistent with his word. He can't deny his word. The Apostle Paul would would uh, said, uh, said to the Corinthians, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. And then he remembered two or three people that he baptized. Uh, but if, if baptism was essential, he would have said, I proclaimed the gospel and I baptized you. So all you can do, James, is, is tell them what the Bible says. Don't argue or debate with them, but tell them what the Bible says and let them wrestle with Jesus himself. Um, you've been listening to the Word to Stand Up for Life. We're back. we got a whole week this week. Thanks for your calls. Thanks for tuning in. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow, or tonight, rather, remember, Men's and Women's Bible Studies, 7 o'clock. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.